Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 145. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Are you going through menopause or perimenopause? It can be a struggle to find comfort in your body with night sweats, hot flashes, and so many other uncomfortable symptoms. Hormone Harmony is a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause created by Happy Mammoth. They are dedicated to making women's lives easier using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout women's lives. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CHAT at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code CHAT for 15% off today. Hey, Laura Reagan here. It is August and I'm on hiatus, but I'm replaying for you some of my favorite past episodes that I think would be really valuable for you to hear. And you may have missed them because maybe you're a new listener and you haven't gotten this far yet, or you are someone who just maybe started with the most recent episode is just going forward. But these episodes are some that I think are really valuable. You're going to hear me today talking with Deirdre Fay, who is talking with me about attachment, meditation, yoga, and compassion in trauma therapy. I love her work. She's amazing. And these methods that she's talking about are pretty fundamental to healing from complex trauma, which is, you know, attachment related trauma or trauma that occurred in childhood. So I hope you'll enjoy our discussion. I know you'll learn a lot, whether you're a therapist or just a person who 
wants to understand more about their own emotional experience, I'm off creating new content for you so that I can bring it to you when I go back to coming up with new episodes. So thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you soon. I'd love to hear what you think of this episode and therapy chat in general. If you wanted to go to therapychatpodcast.com and click on the speak pipe button, you'll find a way to leave me a voicemail message there. I love getting your messages and hearing your voices. It makes me so happy. So thanks so much for being a listener of Therapy Chat. Talk to you soon. Therapy Chat Podcast wouldn't exist without the support of its listeners. If you'd like to become a member, please go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. By making a $1 per month donation, you can help Therapy Chat keep going over the long haul. Thank you for your support. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today's episode is going to be so wicked awesome as my guest is from Boston area and she she told me that that's a real good way to say it. Um, my guest today is Deirdre Fay. Deirdre, thank you so much for being on Therapy Chat today. Total pleasure of mine. Thank you, Laura. You're welcome. Deirdre is the author of the book, Attachment-Based Yoga and Meditation for Trauma Recovery. And I'm sure you have many other wonderful things that you do. So let's just start by, if you could tell our audience a little bit more about yourself and your work. Well, let's see. I'm currently a psychotherapist in private practice in Arlington, which is right outside of Boston. And I work with those with trauma and attachment wounding. I came into the field out of my own history. I, in the late 80s, went into uh, an ashram, a yoga ashram, in the Berkshires Kapala Yoga. And it was in that safe cocoon that my own trauma history came up, unbeknownst to me. And I uh, really went, it was, it was, it just threw me for a loop. I went from being able to be in my body, training for triathlons, doing yoga every day, meditating for hours, to suddenly not wanting to get out of bed. You know, my duvet was my best friend and I just, I, I just didn't want to see people. I didn't trust anybody. So it was really a hard adjustment. And I thought to myself, well, what the heck? What happened to me? You know, how come I was able to be so in my body before and I can't now? And yet if all the yoga, the, not just yoga, but of all the ancient uh, traditions and the wisdom is that you can live safely in your body. Well, you know what I wanted? I wanted that. I wanted back. And so that just began the process of really exploring how do I live in my body? How do I put my mind together again? You know, how do I put the pieces back? And then I uh, went to Smith, got my master's degree in social work. And, and uh, while I was doing that, I was working at McLean Hospital for one of my internships. And somebody heard that I had lived at Corpolo and asked me if I would come to the dissociative unit in the evenings and teach them yoga and meditation. And I said, sure. I didn't know what it would be like, but I was so game to share what I knew and had learned and what had helped me. Uh, so I got a lot of profound experience there. That was way before really anybody was working with trauma and attachment. Uh, and then Bessel Vanderkolk heard about the work I was doing and invited me to join his team. So I got a incredible training there and su- ended up supervising. Mm. 
It was during that time that I also created the Becoming Safely Embodied skills, which are now used internationally. People often just find the book and then work on it on their own or share it with their therapist. So that's been powerful to do. And then the next thing I really did is I took a workshop with uh, Dan Brown, my mentor in attachment, and uh, I realized this is the missing piece that I didn't have anything about. And so I joined a weekly study group that he did for over, I don't know how many years we did that, and then we went into a monthly, and then we ended up creating a book, which is Attachment Disturbances for Adults, which is out came out last year, uh, September. So we co-wrote that, and then at the same time, I was writing my other book. So it's been crazy, but good and um, powerful to be of service to people in the world. Oh, my gosh. That is incredible, the experience that you've had and working with Bessel van der Kolk and bringing the attachment work into all of this. I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, dissociation used to be seen as this kind of very rare, very, you know, kind of so far out of the, the normal range of mental health disorders kind of symptom. And now we know that, you know, there's such a spectrum of dissociation and people can be dissociative and not realize it and may not have full-blown DID, but I just imagine bringing yoga into that work at that hospital must have been an amazing help to the patients who were there at that time. I hope so. You know, I, what I learned there is what I, the, the kind of yoga that I could do having learned that I lived in an ashram was one thing, but then how to step it down and step it down into smaller and smaller bits. I also learned that how hard it is to be in the body and that I couldn't just translate a posture into something that somebody could do. I had to, again, step it way down. Like, how could they sit in their seat and do something? How, like, I remember doing practice, you know, using just as a, to try it out and experiment the lion pose, which is where you extend your tongue. And just, like, nobody could do that. Nobody wanted to do it. It was triggering. And then we had to talk about it and explore. And so I learned, like, you know, just being in such collaborative experience with people about what worked and what didn't work and how to adapt yoga to to people's experience. So it was, it was such a gift, you know, when people let me into their worlds. I'm sure you know this, Laura. Mm-hmm. You know, let, they get close and they let me see and be with them in the most vulnerable places. And, and then together we find a way through to a, a greater sense of healing. And that, that's... Um, Boy, is that really the best? It is. And of course, when someone has an attachment injury, trust is one of the hardest things. So it takes so much trust to allow someone to kind of witness your inner life and to trust them to try to help you move in a different direction when things seem really hopeless. Right. Beautiful. So can you talk about kind of how you got from there to here, you know, what you're doing now, what you do in your practice? Right. Hmm. You know, um, gosh, that's such a good question. And I don't really have an easy answer. I feel like I just took one step at a time. I mean, there were plenty of times where I thought, I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I doing this? 
And then I'd be sort of guided to do the next thing. And I guess as a result, I really feel like I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in this world, you know, mm. in this lifetime. And um, if I had my druthers, I might have designed it differently. But I feel like I'm really supposed to be working with changing how we deal with suffering and the transformative power of suffering. And so this upcoming course I'm doing, you know, all the things I've been learned and have been learning. I'm one of the, I do a lot of online courses. And one course I'm doing coming up in a few weeks is the a course on meditation and how to use it, not sitting meditation, but how to use the skills of meditation to help healing. And the reason why I'm bringing it up now is this idea of healing trauma is a modern day bodhisattva training. That's really what I have come to believe that suffering, especially trauma, is, is something that we can heal from and that we actually, uh, it's instrumental in bringing out the best in us, which is so convoluted because we think when we're traumatized, we end up feeling the worst about ourselves. But I really believe that in working with it, we can transform that and the best of us comes out. And it comes out because we're remapping, repatterning inside ourselves what should have been there from the beginning, the, the basic foundations of security and connection, the sense of being feeling safe in the world, being safe physically and safe emotionally and psychologically, uh, learning how to be seen and known and how to attune to ourselves and attuning to other people so that other people have that sense of connection. Uh, learning how to soothe and reassure myself so I have a felt sense of feeling comforted. Knowing how to express delight in myself and in other people so I have a sense of self-worth and sense of valuing of myself. Learning how to support myself and other people and let myself be supported. You know, let myself be guided and mentored and help do the same for other people. Um, and then probably... One of the most important things is learning about conflict and repair and trusting that conflict is actually to help me get better in the world. It's about healing, not about the relationship breaking apart so that it can get better and stronger, not so I'm at a loss or devastated. So I think those things are so essential. Those are what brought me to where I am. Yeah, and those... Those concepts you just mentioned, I don't know about the people who are going to be listening to this, but for me, as you express them that way, for some of us, they may be things that we've never thought about at all. Like, do I feel safe in the world? What does that feel like? What does that feel like in my body? You know, and if, if you've never experienced it because you really don't have a secure attachment and you just don't know what it feels like not to be afraid, it's, it's a real, pretty much a mind blowing concept to imagine being emotionally safe, So true. but anyone can get there. It's just a healing process that needs to occur. I, I agree completely. And I feel so strongly about it that that's, you know, that's why I, I do a lot of the things I do that don't even make that much money. It's just I want to find a way to help create healing in the world, just like you're doing, Laura, and I think so many people are doing. You know, it's it's um, 
it's a heart-centered, sacred endeavor more than trying to conquer the world. Yeah, it's not about power. <laughs> no, it's not about power. It's about empowering. There you go, Laura. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, gosh. That, that You're giving me chills. So some of the things that you talk about in this latest book are shame, developmental trauma, attachment, you know, which those three things kind of go hand in hand. Talk about self-compassion, parts work, and yoga therapy. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what people will find in your book and who it's for? All right, that's a good question. You know, Norton Publishing, they asked me to write this book and they wanted it uh, oriented towards therapists, towards more academic approach. And I said, well, the only way I'd want to do it is to use my own voice, which I feel like is more heart-centered and more about uh, making sure we all feel connected. And in fact, there's a section in the, the chapter on shame. The publisher really wanted me to take some of the elements out. You know, like I was a little, not graphic, but, you know, I feel like I wrote about what it's like to have a shame attack and to be caught in that. And they wanted me to kind of clean it up. And I said, no, it's more important for me that people feel connected to and heard and seen through the writing, that they're not alone, than to whitewash it and make it nicer than it is. So pretty much what's in the book is, is designed, yes, for therapists, but more for all of us, for people. I try to make the language as understandable and relatable as possible so that the researcher, the thinking behind it was practical and relatable. Yeah, and because therapists are actually people too, (laughs) it, it should work well because as we read, you know, we don't want to be so clinically detached from the information we're learning that we don't realize that this applies to ourselves as well. Because I think, you know, for every therapist, we have to be self-aware and self-reflective if we want to be really able to truly connect and, and help people heal. You know, it's not just like we are doing something to our clients. We are, it's a collaborative process and we have to be in it as a person too. Right with you, right with you on that. But I think, you know what, there, I think there's a little bit of a, I'm not sure how to say it, like a little bit of a split in the field where there are people that are wanting to be more academic and think about a little bit more removed in the Mm -hmm. old. uh, I, I think of it as the old way of doing therapy. And then a whole new area opening where people crave connection and relationship and authenticity and realness. And sort of the wounded healer kind of approach, not that everybody has to be wounded, but that there's a sense of being connected to the suffering and not above it, not separate from it. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I think that there's kind of a false separation that we, it's like um, I've heard to take it away from the therapy realm. I've heard people say when doctors become patients and it's like, but a doctor is always a patient. Like, don't you go and get a physical? And, you know, if you break your leg, don't you go somewhere and get someone to help you fix it? You don't, 
you're not a superhuman just because you happen to be in a helping profession and you're not supposed to be. But I think we kind of do get that message somewhere in our training that we're supposed to be not a person with the normal wants and needs right. and, and experiences. Right. I'm with you there. But I mean, we can want not to be real authentic people, but, you know, deep inside, we still are. You can't, <laughs> you can't hide from it. You're human. Right. Right. Isn't that true? Thank you. We're really connected around that. Yeah. So one thing I think um, is somewhat of a misunderstanding about yoga therapy, and I think you alluded to this a little bit when you talked about your experience at the hospital, is that I used to think at one point that yoga therapy meant you're doing, you know, yoga poses for the therapy. But now I realize that there's much more to it. Yeah, you know, um, the way I look at it, and this might not be true for everything, is that my, I really believe in, we might call more yoga psychology, mm -hmm. the framework around it all, rather than the implementation. I think there's lots of wonderful ways to do the implementation, but for me, it's more important for people to understand the incredible body-based trueness of it, that there is within us and around us and everywhere connecting all of us, prana, and that prana is this life force which is literally everywhere all the time through everything. And we can't cut it down. We can't shut it down. And yet when we tr when something happens and we tighten up or we feel hurt or we get constricted, we have these little knots in our energy bodies, our nervous system, our, fit, our feeling body, our physical body. And then prana, when it, it's used to just flowing freely everywhere, everything, when it hits up against a knot, it starts grinding away at that knot, trying to clean that knot. It's trying to get it out of the way so it can return back to it, to its wholeness, to its pureness. And yet that knot gets in the way. And so that grinding away of prana hitting up against that knot, that samskara, is what is so horrible and overwhelming. So it's thinking about yoga psychology in that way that has really helped so many of the people I work with and the trainings I run so that people can see like, oh, yeah, of course, that's what happens. You know, when water runs into a boulder, how can I actually let that water move around the boulder, help sort of clean that boulder off rather than getting trapped in that boulder like so many of us do. And we get caught in something, we spin and spin and spin and we don't, we can't get out of our own way. So it's in that way that I like to think of, uh, but I think of it as yoga psychology. Yeah. So like when people talk about feeling stuck, you know, trauma can be like stuck emotion, stuck energy, and it's just something that needs to be metabolized. Wonderful, Laura. Yeah. That's how I see it too. So I know some of the practices that you share are breath work and there's, there are meditations. Can you talk a little bit more about what what types of things like that are in your book? Oh, great. Um, you know, I found, and probably you have too, Laura, that working with trauma and attachment learning, that there's no set protocol. There's no one thing to do to help. It's like I have to have a really big toolbox. So what I wanted to do in the book was to have body practices, 
meditations, breathing practices, psychoeducational practices, art projects, anything that has helped people that I've worked with so that at any point you can dip into the toolbox and see what's there and and try it out because there's there's no set thing to do. And what I learned a lot years ago training in gestalt therapy is that you do experiments. You try something on. If it works, then that's great. If it doesn't work, you try something else. So I, I tried to have enough in there so that people could have um, practices that could work. Maybe not all of them work for them, but something's going to work. Yeah, I love it. Because again, with that cognitive part of ourselves, we want to have like an instruction manual from A to Z. First do this, then that, then this, then that. But, you know, there's too many variables involved to, to really be able to use those, <laughs> those kinds of really manualized strategies with each person and have the person feel like you're attuned to them. So you talk about the true self, which is a yoga concept, right? Well, there's a sense of, you know, it's hard to find language for some of these things. And um, <laughs> in, in IFS, in the Internal Family Systems Model, we talk about it as self with a capital F. And some people like that. Some people, you know, the psychosynthesis has other language. Uh, and I, I really didn't know what the right language to fall down on. In yoga, we, there's the idea of the Atman, which is the there's many different levels of the soul. And the Atman is the highest, most you can call it the most identified with this physical presence. And so there's that idea. And I thought, well, how do I say this? You know, how do I communicate this and find a simple word? So, you know, I was trying to find language that would fit across the board and not be exclusionary. And so I, I, that's why I chose that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think you're capturing one of the things about doing more developmental work, you know, and body-oriented work is that it's harder to verbalize the concepts <laughs> because it's that different part of your brain. It's more of right. the expressive part, not thinking part. Right. And then this whole area that they're beginning to do research on is the sense of what is consciousness. And if we're not just our brain, what, who, who is in the brain? You know, who is the person, not just the brain and not the, just the mechanisms? And um, it's hard to find language to address that. Yeah, those are some really complex things to think about for sure. So another uh, point you brought up or actually a term you used when you were talking about your upcoming course is bodhisattva. Can you can you tell people what a bodhisattva is for anyone who isn't familiar with that? Uh, sure. A bodhisattva is somebody who has gone through the fire of suffering and emerged with compassion. And in fact, they are the Buddhas of the world that have chosen not to leave their bodies, but to stay and work on this plane with people to help other people heal, to, to be able to be with their suffering. And I really have come to believe that that's what I said earlier, that's what trauma is. Trauma is a doorway through which people can get to know their own suffering, but move through it 
awaken to who they are, awaken to the power of their own compassion, their compassionate heart. And I really believe that we, any of those of us who've suffered in any form, that we are being called to create a foundation of healing and compassion in the world. And we're going to need it because there's so much difficult stuff going on in the world and so much acute suffering. And so I really feel like we're, we're being asked from a greater force, from our own hearts, from our own hearts that have chosen this to, to, uh, to help. So that's what I think bodhisattvas are. The, the whole idea is how to use trauma as a transformational tool. That's a, that's such a beautiful way of looking at it because no one would choose, no one wants to have experienced trauma. There's nothing enjoyable about it. And there's no desire to diminish how painful and unfair it is to have experienced trauma. And yet, because it's not, there's no all or nothing, even those traumatic experiences can be something that can enrich our lives. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I absolutely believe that. And uh, there was a time I was uh, training in yoga in, in India. And, you know, it's hot and they're sitting on concrete and it's crowded and there's, it's not, not a comfortable environment. And I remember I was kind of spacing out, but there was the guru who was teaching us said, um, told a story. I write about this in the book. I, I like, I think about that story. I just snapped out of my reverie and, and listened. And he was saying this story about how in the Upanishads, which is one of the great texts of yoga, that a, the fetus is given its sort of instructions on what it's meant to do in this lifetime. And then through the pain and suffering of birth and coming through the birth canal of being emerging from the body and transitioning from the 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 mother's body into regular life, they forget what those instructions are. And that the rest of our life is trying to remember that. It's all this huge process of remembering who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? And from that point of view, the, the idea is that from our highest self, the Atman, the, the most evolved sense of ourselves, we actually choose a lifetime and a set of circumstances to take birth and to, to learn some lessons. And, you know, there's, there's, that cosmology has some good points and some, you know, not good points. But I know when I was in my own process and trying to heal and slogging it out, it really helped me. It's like, okay, I'm not here just to be in pain. I'm here for a reason. I had no idea what the reason was. I couldn't make sense of it. I just, you know, it is. You're slogging it out and it's painful and hard. But it made a difference to me to think that I'm not here just to be in pain. I'm here to learn how to befriend this pain and this suffering so that something else could emerge, even if I don't quite know what that something else is. Yeah, you know, I think one one way that people think about that is is the what meaning can you make of the suffering you've experienced? Right. right. Yes, indeed. Because if it was for no purpose and it's just for you to be miserable and feel horrible and suffer in pain, uh, right. that's hopeless feeling. That feels terrible. Let's just give it up. 
Right. I think that's where people are like, well, what's the point? And I think, you know, trauma can really make you feel like there is no meaning and there is no purpose. And so if you can get connected with what, what purpose there could be, I think it can be very healing just to be able to even have that perspective. I'm so with you. Yeah. So not to put you on the spot, but what would you say to someone who might be listening, who is in that place kind of where you were when you had all of your trauma kind of come crashing down on you when you were at Kripalu and, and they're not seeing what, how things could get better. What, what suggestion might you have for someone in that situation? You know, one of the things we all have to keep doing, whether we're in the most acute of our pain or at any point in life, is learning how to separate out the positive and the negative and turn toward the, the positive. One of the stories I tell is that I have a geranium in my office which has the most beautiful leaves. I just love them. And it's across the room from me, just in front of the, the window. And usually clients sit somewhere in that area. So when I would sit and be talking to people and listening to them, I would watch how my geranium would keep turning toward the, the window. And as many times as I would turn the geranium around to face me so I could see its beautiful leaves, by the end of the day, it had, the leaves had turned back around toward the light. And one day it just dawned on me. I thought, oh my God, that's what I need to do. That's what we need to do. We need to all turn for the warmth and the nourishment and just open to that and drink that in. And I thought, what, what would that be like? What's it like to, instead of turning toward the dark or the sadness or the grief, what, what's it like to turn toward the light and the warmth? And then can I actually not just turn toward it, but can I open up and receive that deeply into it? Can my cells be changed? You know, photosynthesis is the whole idea of it what happens in a plant, but that means that not only are they exposing themselves to the light, but they have these receptors that allow taking that light in and that warmth and transforming it inside. And that's, uh, you know, that's, that's what I say to myself even now, and that's what I would say to anybody, is that even when you're suffering, Find even 1%, one thing. The reason that you're listening to this podcast is you're looking for help. Let yourself reach for help. Let yourself reach for whatever warmth or kindness. But not only that, can you take that into your body? Do you hear something that makes you, that you resonate with it? What's that like to take that resonance from outside and bring it inside? Can your little baby toe on your left foot can it feel that resonance and tingle with it and can your heart open can your 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 spine relax around it Mm. it's like the remembering that there is love and everything is not just the pain Mm -hmm. that's right 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 and from that you know we look at yoga yoga says the prana is always trying to return us back to ourselves. That's its only goal. That's the only reason prana exists is is to return us back toward ourselves, to be one with with everything. And so, if we're in pain, how do I learn how to ride that prana, listen to that life force energy, and let myself be 
returned, returned. And that isn't a path of suffering. It's learning how to surf the suffering, ride the suffering, uh, and find compassion in it so that I, I can keep moving toward, toward and back to myself. Because the acupuncture is actually in the Washington, D.C. area. Diane Conley, that's right, that's her name. She says, all sickness is homesickness. And we can think of that certainly with trauma. Mm. All trauma is really homesickness. How do I return back to myself? Yeah, that's, oh, wow, that's so powerful because that's what it is, is trauma makes you lose sight of who you are, the goodness that's there, right, always there. Right. And yet at the same time, it opens up our longing for more. Yeah. We want more. This is some really good food for thought. I know people are probably like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Didn't mean to freak you out. (laughs) In a good way. In a good way. Well, Deirdre, before we run out of time, let me ask you if you can tell people where they can find your book and your course, all the good things you have going on. Uh, my book is on Amazon. That's the easiest way to get it. Um, my first name is hard to spell, so because there's too many R's in there. But uh, so, or you can look on my website, dfay dot com, and there's the you can find a link for the book there. You can also sign up for my mailing list there, which is where you get all the information on the courses I do. This upcoming course on meditation skills, and then. I do uh, the Becoming Safely Embodied online course I'll run in the fall. And then um, I do a lot of other trainings and things that are all on there. So love to be in touch with people and connect always. It's such a deep pleasure of mine. I'm definitely going to check out your your courses. And the Becoming Safely Embodied has definitely piqued my curiosity. So I need to find out more about it. Right. Love to have you there. Well, I will put a link to your website and all the resources you mentioned in the show notes for this episode so everyone can go and find it because I know you said your course starts very soon and this is going to air on July 13th, 2017. So when will when will your course start? The registration is opening on the, I think we're opening it on the 20th. I just talked to everybody yesterday, Thursday the 20th. If all goes well, that's when it's open. <laughs> And then that'll probably start the Friday after. There'll be pre-course material on there, um, but then it'll start after that. Wonderful. Well, I hope some people who are listening will take advantage of the opportunity to sign up for that. I'm probably going to be one of them. So, Deirdre, thank you so much again for being on Therapy Chat today. Thank you, Laura. Such an incredible honor and pleasure. I'm so excited that I was able to interview Deirdre Fay. I found it very powerful when she was talking about her experience at Kripalu having basically a breakdown when her trauma came crashing down on her. And she talks about this in her book as well. I hear from a lot of people who say, I meditate, I do yoga, I'm on a spiritual journey And all of a sudden something is blocking me and I don't know what it is, but I realize that it's not something I can move through on my own. And so 
I think it's really powerful how she described that one can be working hard on their spiritual practices and their mindfulness and doing yoga every day. And suddenly they were fine, but then they're not. I think that's just really powerful to understand because so often we don't realize how we may be affected by trauma until suddenly we do. So I just want to emphasize one more time, especially for therapists, that Deirdre's latest book, Attachment-Based Yoga and Meditation for Trauma Recovery, is amazing. She talks about attachment theory and describes yogic philosophy. She talks about shame and self-compassion and how that shows up in the body. She talks about dissociation, something that's very, very important to understand if you work for people who have trauma. She talks about dissociation from an attachment perspective, which is absolutely fascinating. If you do trauma work, that is something very important. And she talks about how boundaries are affected by our sense of self. And then she talks about accessing your wisdom for internal, secure internal attachment. So self-compassion, parts work, attachment, yoga, breath, body. This is everything I use. Well, for me, the missing piece is the yoga therapy piece because I don't have training in that yet. But this book just blows me away. And I wanted to be sure that you caught that Deirdre has some courses online, including one that's coming up on July 20th, which you can find at her website, dfay.com. Thanks so much for listening. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.